uh, it's good to be here. I want to just give honor, of course, to Bishop Tom and Pastor Shirley Smarts, who are here this evening. We honor them. Uh, what happened years ago with them is they became a part of what God was doing. Now, the church for the last 20 years, the church, has tried to market and find out how they can best present their deal for the gospel to the world. But I thank God for what he's doing here at South Towns because we're kind of going back in the right way. We're going back in the right way because the blessing of the Lord that came to South Towns wasn't because bishop and pastor found like this is the way we're going to build a church and make a name for ourselves in the South Town. What they did is they became a part of what God was doing. I tried something clever, but that didn't work. All right, how was that? Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, it's six feet. Uh, but what happened was Bishop and pastor became a part of what God was doing in the Bible studies, in seeing people be filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, and we honor and respect. And that generation should not feel as though their time is done. When I look at them, it's a motivation for us to say, we don't dare want to invent what we think is the church. We want to be a part of what God is doing. Because that's what built South Towns. Amen? It was becoming a part of what God was doing. And uh, we thank them for that legacy. Now, how many of you appreciate the team up here tonight? Didn't they do wonderful? Al and Tina and Shannon and Ralph, everybody, it was just great, wasn't it? No, it's good. It sounds good. And, and Pastor um, Christian, yeah, it's just good. It's just a good sound uh, to the house. It's just a good sound. Uh, amen. Amen. And also, um, thank you for coming out. Thank you for showing uh, that this is uh, of value to you tonight. That's very much appreciated. I never take for granted. Chris, I don't worry about crowds anymore. Numbers, I know God, God cares about numbers. He wrote a whole book about them. But, but I mean, you know, numbers are numbers. Uh, all this is about to change because people are going to, uh, we're going to be able to reach the harvest and we won't have to worry what we'll have to make sure is we're strong enough to disciple them and help them to know God uh, like they should. So it's good. So I won't go uh, too long tonight, but I want to just, I, I, for time's sake, I'm not going to do the review. So I'm just going to go right to the seventh reason. Is that all right? Yeah, let's go right to the seventh reason. God created humankind to be a praise to his glory and to worship him in spirit and in truth. I will be going to a scripture to close in just a moment, in just a few minutes, but, but we will look at, at Exodus 34 in just a moment. But 
God created humankind. Remember, he created him in his likeness and image. He created him to show his love and his nature. He tested him that he might be purified. Uh, out of that would come a body and out of that would come a bride. And uh, tonight we're talking about God created humankind to be a praise to his glory. Jesus said in John 4, 23, the hour has come and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. One could say there in the reality of the Holy Spirit, in the reality of who God is. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. The, I'm glad the Monday night crowd is here because I'm going to say things that you tick you off, so it'll be good. Well, what we've created in recent years is we have created uh, music platforms but are still missing worship. By that I mean... Scores of young people can go to any name you want to name of the popular hubs of, of, of music today. Many people can go those places and, and, and pour out hours of affection and emotional response to what's on the platform. And, and it's not bad. But there is got to be, as Jesus said, worship or surrendering of personal sovereignty in spirit and in reality. And you can do that for a long time, for hours, and then go out and just continue to live the exact same way. Now, I know this isn't popular, but if we're going to be really understanding our place in the world, uh, I'd rather go to you know, an elevation worship concert than, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin. I think Mick Jagger, they bring him in like on a walker. You know, I, I, all that. I'd rather go to that. But I, there is no guarantee because I play Christian music that I'm being changed. There's no guarantee that we let people on this platform worship for us and we just enjoy the experience of it. Uh, and be totally untouched. And the sooner we get that thing out there and unpacked, the better we're going to be because uh, if you shut down the platform in a lot of arenas, there is nothing there in the people of a spirit. You know what I'm trying to say? And God created us to worship him. I said to the Lord one time, Lord, in due respect, are you... Are you, are you selfish? Help me understand this. Why is it I praise you? I thank you. Well, the obvious would be, <laughs> you know, we're all just one, one more heartbeat away from it all being over. So the breath of, uh, the, the breath of man is sustained by the Almighty. You know, I, I understand. But like, he's big. But I, I thought, well, God, you know, but you know what I found? God is the most giving person in the universe. Because whatever we give to him is then mirrored back to us as he puts the proper glory on us, like I said last night. 
See, he wants us changed into that image. He wants us to be his son and daughter. And he doesn't want us to be a better Christian. He doesn't want us to come to church more, although he certainly wants us to. There, there, there is some governance and understanding to that, to that, to the church, of course, and we shouldn't forsake that assembly. But what God wants is not a good church person or a good religious person or a good person who knows how to sing songs, be it, be it Elevation Worship, Bethel, or Gaithers. He wants those who are going to be his son and daughter. Right? And when we worship him, we really lose our identity. So what makes a meeting different uh, when it's not vicarious from the stage? What makes a meeting different is that we are again surrendering, yielding to the Lord and realizing my life is to be lived for his glory. Now that's not popular talk today because everybody's trying to be the best authentic them. You know the best authentic me? Stinks. The best authentic, I don't want to be coached into the best authentic dentist. Because the best authentic dentist, dentist, or dentist, try and get your teeth into that one. Cindy will tell you, I thought you were reaching for a weapon. I know. Uh, Cindy will tell you that the best authentic version of me uh, is, is, is not pretty, it's sinful. It's rooted still uh, to the struggle of the Adamic nature. And, and I'm winning, I'm definitely winning because he already won it, but, but the reality is I, I am not here to be a better me. I am here to be a reflection of him. That's his glory. Man does not come to God on his terms. I said this statement the other day, but I didn't read it right. Too many Christians think of God as being a lonely old man in the universe with no one to fellowship with. So he created human beings and he needs us and welcomes anyone who will come to him in any way. Thus, he will not let anyone uh, miss being with him, even on their terms. What? That's not Bible. There's a way to come to God. Okay? And we've got to be ready, you know, because I can't express the heaviness of this to you. We've got, we've got to be ready for a harvest. And the reality is to us, I've said that many times, the, reality, the truth is, the reality is, is that people think a lot of different things. Oh, God wouldn't do that, and God certainly wouldn't do that. And I've heard that so many times through the years of the ministry, and I think, how do you know? Like, what are you talking about? You're welcome. You know, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, like, you know, do you know enough about his character to be able to say that? Um, man must come to the Lord on his terms. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ, and only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh... Israel attempted to replace mercy and the knowledge of God with ritual. Okay. Why? Because their heart did not have to be in it. See, uh, you can let everybody up here worship for you. You can put on music and, and you can do that. But music is a tool. It's not worship. Okay. So that's beautiful. I like it. And I, you know took organ lessons on the Hammond B3 and I do love music and I wish I could sing and I wish I'd have kept that up but 
it was the pedals and the sustain and the bellows thing that threw me. But, you know, um, I love good soul stirring music, but that means nothing to my transformation. It's just a tool, you know. And, of course, the better that tool is and the better these musicians are, of course, of, of course. But no one can worship for me. Amen? That's, that's really important. So Israel replaced it with ritual because they didn't receive God's mercy or the knowledge of him and they replaced it with ritual. And nobody, now don't get offended, nobody replaces ah, better than Pentecostals replace it with ritual. If we don't sing this long, it's not anointed. If we don't, if we sing too short, it's too, if it's too long, it's a, if we don't do this, if it's not two, four times, if it's not this, four, if it's not that, if it's this, and dear Lord, if it's not the tambourine, it's not it, you know? Everybody's got their deal. And I've come to understand it really doesn't matter because... God just wants our heart in it. Amen? Um, let's go to number eight and the final one because this way I can, uh, can, can, can close this out tonight. The eighth reason why God created humankind, and this is the big one, this is the big one, is to fellowship with him as a comparable fellow being. Now let's just... I want to lift you somewhere tonight and just think about this for a few moments. So do like this. Just kind of do like this. Go, yeah. And just, uh, just, just, just receive this for a minute. So, so you get the thread of what I've been saying on these all eight things. And, 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 and you know, all that. But the end result is God wants us to be with him forever as a comparable being. Not as deity. But I, I don't get to be a part of the Godhead, but the Godhead is yet in me. But God has figured it out that we should be with him forever. So I want to lift your limit, lift your vision just for a moment. Uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How many have people on the other side, in the other dimension? Sure. Now, we can speculate about what they're doing. We know they encompass a cloud of witnesses. We understand that somehow or another, they without us are not perfect. These are only things that the scripture says. So, here's the deal. Whatever your eschatology is, at some point, death is going to be put over, done away with. Spirit, soul, and body together in a resurrected, glorified body, but not to float around on clouds, but obviously come back to this redeemed planet and live in a some sort of dimension of activity that includes our participation in the redemption of all that God has created. So it's a little bit bigger than just I'm going to heaven and sitting on a cloud. And our loved ones, we got to get clear through, our loved ones do not become angels. There's the, the human nature, 
right? There's human nature, there's the divine nature, and there's an angelic nature, and there's the animal nature. They don't mix. So, you know, Aunt Minnie did not, I mean, as much as I love It's a Wonderful Life because of its allegory, the reality is every time a bell rings, a bell rings. Um, so there's a big picture. Now, can you imagine, let's wrap this up tonight. Can you imagine God creates humankind in his image and likeness? He begins to demonstrate his love and nature to him. He then tests him and begins a purifying process. In the test, Adam fails. Someone has to come as a human substitute for the purification. Out of those who, who would come to the Lord Jesus Christ, they become the church, a body. Out of that, the heart of a bride or a pure one who is a reflection of the glory of God, which I just said tonight, is brought to live forever with God. And we don't have a story. That's why as Christians you can only get bogged down with so much science fiction. You can only get bogged down with so much uh, gaming that takes you to worlds unknown. And Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. There, there's too much of that when we have something so real that is way far out. Because what we have is we're going to live forever. Isn't that a relief to know you're never going to die? No, you... Come on. I'll do it for you. Hallelujah! I'm never going to die. Well, but it's appointed unto man once to... Yeah, I understand this human body will finally surrender because it's, it, it, it's, it's part of God's plan. But I have a resurrected body and I understand something now that I hadn't understood my whole Christian life is there's a breath and you're there. Hallelujah. And I even believe that there's a grace to transition because precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I think there's a, there's a grace and you just, I can tell you, it's real. You wake up and you're there. Now, here's where it gets exciting. The goal of the gospel, when you bring it all the way back around and why we share our faith, I'm on a bigger mission than just getting church members more Christians or more Christian conservatives. I'm on a far bigger mission. When I share what Jesus did on the cross, I'm on a far bigger mission. And I'm just coming awake to this. I'm on a far bigger mission than just helping them get, I don't want to make false promises. He'll fix your marriage. I don't, I don't know that. I know he can, but I'm not, I don't know. He'll make everything turn around immediately. Well, he can't. I don't know all that. I don't want to placate people. 
Don't worry, he'll accept you just as you are. And go on a 40-year plan and forgive everybody and, and maybe then, you know, work on, on, on all that anger and behavior issues. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I want to let people know what, what Jesus Christ did on the cross is far bigger than you or I can even understand or believe. Because we believe in part because we know in part. And I believe the part I know. So when people come to the Lord, watch what I'm saying here, they're coming to God's original intention for them. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation or creature and the word should be translated species or kind he, there's never been man and God together in the same know ye not your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit oh, we've got to get people to understand myself included even what it meant to cross that death line and come into Christ because there's a big picture over there it has little to do with your, even your own, talk to the missionaries, talk to the martyrs. It has to do even with your, your own conveniences and eases. Because we're all looking for a more peaceful life. And Jesus is saying, well, I'll give you peace, but there's a bigger picture. Because you only get those, it seems like you only get those moments here. You know what I'm saying? You ever realize sometimes life is, it's all well for a while and then, oh, No. And then it's good, and then, oh, no. And then you're on vacation, this is life. And then you get back, and oh, no. And that's what we think, that's what we think somehow that God's about. And he's saying, yeah, I don't, that's all part of that. I, watch this. If we can help people understand, when I accept that Jesus Christ paid for my sin completely. See, he wasn't just saying it's finished to fulfill the law. He was saying it's finished as far as the Father's master plan. And when I get there, I realize, oh my goodness, God created me in his image and likeness. Ah, oh, that's why I contend for life. Oh, that's why I think certain ways. Hmm. Then I realize he's showing me his love and nature. How many of you know for us to take a mess like us and actually show his love and his nature, knowing that we're still a nuts up at times? But I keep looking to the cross because that's the only, there's no works in this. Even our obedience is fueled by his love. So I, I land here. Only because of the cross. Jesus gives me saving faith. Convicts me of my condition. He even gives us. The, he, that's how much he's crazy about us. He even gives us the faith to believe. Oh, saving faith. But I don't want to get people. We don't need to get people any more mixed up. What we need to do is say. Okay look to the cross. For that. Now. His love and his nature. Look to the cross. Testing and purified. Hmm. I'm still in, I'm still in Adam's race. 
oh, maybe the trial of your faith worketh something. Oh, maybe God is purging you. Oh, look to the cross. Look to the cross, because the same cross that brought you here has got you here. And when all hell breaks loose and all is, everything is in a mess, you're being, you're being tested. Huh? But I look to the one who has already passed the test. And then we put in all these scriptures. You just put them in, fill them in. My grace is sufficient for you. You know, I can do all things to God. That's when all that comes in. But he did it already. Purified. Well, he did that already. You know. If I can just stop doing this, I'll be holy. Well, if you could stop doing that, you're going to discover something else. But thank God I look to the cross. I look to the cross. So I look to the cross to come in this thing. The first thing I discover is I'm made in the image of God. And for his likeness. Number two, I realize, wow, <laughs> his love in nature. Three, I realize his testing and purifying. But his testing isn't to make me righteous. It's to perfect me as a mature one. Because he's raising up a son. And since I don't know how to be one, I look to the pattern son. Jesus. All the church growth people would do good to put their books away. And all the business books and everybody's thing and study the life of Jesus Christ our pattern son and he is he's our ideal then he places me in his church this group of people I belong to a new family see when I presented Christian on Sunday for the yesterday for the ordination I'm presenting family. I'm here tonight among family. There's a common blood. Like human families, we're closer to some than others. But we're in, we're in this thing. It's called the church. Now, the church for the last 50 years has looked to everything, but sometimes forgets to look to the cross because this is a progressive thing. Now, lastly, or next over here, is the bride. That's when I find out that many are called, but few pay the price to be chosen. Now, I'm not a Calvinist, so I believe that when we're chosen and predestined, it's for a plan. I still believe in individual will. Uh, the chosen and predestined, and I know a Calvinist, a deep Calvinist, if you don't know what that means, look it up and get like what? I understand a deep Calvinist could say, some are just, some are, well, I'm still holding on to the, to, to God wills that all men be saved. And I believe when it says he predestined, he pre, you know, he preplanned, uh, God has a master plan and certainly his foreknowledge transcends anything I can imagine. It's, it's better than, you know, the science fiction. But he's, he, I have responded to his plan. How many of you understand what I'm saying? I have responded to God's plan. Uh, but, but he's calling a bride. Because God knows everybody in that big bowl with all the little marbles. Everybody isn't on the same page. Not everybody's even hungry. 
Not everybody even wants to grow. And that part is a mystery to me how that works. I just want to be one with a heart towards the bridegroom. I just want to be one with a heart towards the bridegroom. That's all I want. Just loving him. And then here's the hope I have. Here's the real hope I have. Number, number eight. The real hope I have. It's way over here. Uh, the real hope I have is. And this is just so real to me now. The real hope I have is. When I transition out of this. I'm going to be engaged in God's redemptive process forever and ever in timelessness. And there, that's where it's exciting. Because I'll be with the one who died for me. Now, here is the challenge to the American, to the world, to the church. Is without the preaching and centrality of the cross, we drift. We drift. And I'm going to close here. And we'll have prayer together. We drift into... How to have better, 10 steps to this, what Christianity can do for me. Um, let's read a scripture and tell stories. And, and, and I've done that and whatever. Uh, probably in my transition that'll just, because the Bible doesn't say, you know, I'm going to go. The only thing I see in, in Thessalonians that we're going to be changed in a twinkling of the eye would be the mortal body. The indication would seem that I'm going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing in eternity. And I do understand that as I make that transition uh, through what we used to call, or scripture calls the judgment seat of Christ, I understand that some of that's all going to burn off. So a lot of my sermons are just going to burn off and a lot of stuff that I did for my glory will just burn off. But I also realize I'll come forth with... uh, with precious silver and all of that. But, but you, you know. And I'll begin to walk with God forever. When we don't keep this as the objective. And we keep trying to get God to bless our life. We're on the wrong thing. Because when we are really centered in him. Our life is blessed. I told pastor this morning. You know, we lost a lot of income and through COVID. And then we, we, we did, you know, didn't work as I recovered and all that. But I tithe and I sow offerings and I'm a generous giver. And uh, we got blessed. The wind, I'm unashamed. I, I don't, the windows of heaven opened and lots of money helped us. So that we could be stable. And you know when I was trying to worry about how to get off six liters of oxygen. And I didn't have to worry about my rent. or, or Well we didn't have rent. But I mean anything we needed. Because God blessed us. You know, I am blessed. But this is the picture. Do you see it? Now central to those eight things. We don't need to talk about now the, the new model for the church and the G12 and let's get everybody in a small group and let's do this, let's do this, let's get everybody, we need everybody doing the thing, now we're going to do this outreach. Those are fine things. But in the end, I don't always know what they yield. 
But you start getting plugged into God's design and why you're even here. But you can only stay straight when you're focused on the cross. When I came out of the hospital, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you know, (laughs) you haven't preached a message on the cross in more than 20 years. I said, wasn't there the (laughs) time? To the Almighty, you say, well, wait, maybe, wait, what? Maybe you missed that. The Lord said, yeah, you haven't preached on the cross. You've been trying to get people into the benefits of the cross who don't even understand the cross. You're trying to get people all fired up about this or that or that or get a demon off of them. And they may all be valid things. But the Lord, and I did say to the Lord, I said, are you sure? Are you sure? Internally, I said, are you sure? Like I referenced, I, it, 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 I'm, it, I'm wrong. All right, let's wrap up. Our response, I'm going to give you this, read the verse, and then we'll come in about eight or nine, ten minutes, and we'll, we'll wrap up with prayer tonight. What's my response to God's design for us? Well, I have to, uh, now, it's been good till now. <laughs> but we have to get real clear on what it means to be born again. We got into the whole pre-Christian stuff and we don't want to offend people. Not pre-Christian come here, but people are pre-Christians and we got to win them and, and everybody and this and that and everything else. The reality is this. John 3 and 3, if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And we have to know and bring back some words like conviction, repentance, believing. Because you and I, you know, you and I, we were convicted of our sin. God gave us saving faith. We repented, believed. Romans 10 says we confessed and we received a new DNA in our spirit. Don't have time to go into that, but that's a whole other thing I'm working on right now. We were inseminated with the DNA of God. And it's incredible. Number two, we should expect and return to experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. The evidence is not love. That's a fruit of the Spirit. The clear evidence is speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. We should expect to encounter, encounter God in visions, dreams, His presence, sensing Him. To encounter Him in anointings through preaching, teaching, gifts, worship, healing, both emotionally and physically. Uh, emotional restoration, deliverance if there's oppression, the power of God in his ability, the power of God in his authority, the life-quickening strength and stamina of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We should expect to experience the power and presence of God. And I don't know who said it over the last two days. I don't know. It's been a lot happening. But I don't know. Somebody said, revival's in us. Did you say that? Very good. Very good. That's that's why we presented you for it. The, the, the revival's in us. And I get the whole send it on down and I get our, our terminology and it's fine. But the reality is he's in us. 
And we're going to have to be real clear on what it means to be born again. And what it means to really place your faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And expect the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Deuteronomy 34. And may they stay seated for this? Because this is my closing scripture. How many of you are with me? I hope you're not all going with me because we only have such a house. We can only fit some people. Um, Deuteronomy 34. Verse number one. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab onto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pigzah where he oversaw Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan. Now if you look at the map, that's a large expanse to see in the natural. So there had to have been some revelation that God spoke to Moses. And all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh unto the land of Judea unto the utmost sea. The south the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees unto Zor. Now Moses was the lawgiver and the deliverer. And now he's taken to a place where he sees as much as he can of geography and then in the spirit he sees this is it. This is the promised land for Israel. This is Moses what you've worked for this is what you've been called to there it is and the Lord said to him this is the land which I swore unto Abraham Isaac to Jacob saying I will give it to your seed I have caused you to see it with your eye but you shall not go over there now I used to stop there and think oh he hadn't struck the rock and he hadn't been so and you can really kind of go into a downer on Moses for a minute till I did some some more study and research verse 5 so Moses the servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord here is an interesting thing the phrase is actually at the mouth of the Lord. It is interpreted by some Jewish scholars as by a kiss of the Lord. Um, one scholar explained it best. Moses died in a moment of joy in the peace and presence of his God. I like that. Moses died. And God buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. But no man knows of his sepulcher unto this day. Because why? They, they could have worshipped him. There's many, many reasons. But I used to focus on why Moses, quote, didn't go over. I'm happy to understand that God didn't want him to. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim or his natural force abated. 
And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. Four more verses. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom and Moses had laid his hands on him. And the children of Israel had listened to him and did as the Lord commanded him. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt. It doesn't mean they, you got to understand something. Moses did those things, but remember what he asked of the Lord. Show me now thy way that I may know thee. If your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. Show me now your glory. I don't think Moses was impressed with the miracles or the signs and wonders. And certainly the law did not keep him. It couldn't keep anybody. But what kept him was he had a face-to-face encounter. He knew the Lord. In all the signs and wonders, in verse 12, and in all the mighty hand and all the great terror which Moses showed at the awesomeness in the sight of Israel. And one looks for more about him, but the next chapter of Joshua says Moses is dead. We don't see Moses again until the Mount of Transfiguration. And those three that saw it, they looked. Moses, the lawgiver, Elisha, the prophet, and in the center is Jesus. And I said to the Lord, if Moses could know the Lord face to face, we under a new and better covenant because of the cross, how much more should we know him? And can we know him? Let's be that people that, that stay delivered from religion. Stay delivered from all that garbage stuff let's stay free from that and let us press on to know the Lord for surely he was he will come to us he will reveal himself whenever you you're as a believer with him inside when we say he comes to us it means he reveals he reveals himself as sure as the dew touches the grass he'll come to us The shift has already happened. Some are still looking around for church activity. It's pretty easy to spot kind of people who are wolves. It's kind of easier to spot, you know, things. Because right now, there's there's this bride that the Lord is pulling. And he's pulling. And he's pulling. Because remember his goal from the beginning. He wants us. He wants us. I've been preaching since 1979 and one of the hardest things for me coming through the whole crisis I came through was that God really loved me. Somehow or another that cross doesn't indicate his tolerance of me, it indicates his extreme affection for me. Extreme affection for me. And I will tell you, I don't think I really knew that as well as I'm learning it now. 
because I've been wrapped up in me. And I'm beginning to understand I can relax because he forgave all my sins. He presently forgives my sins and he will forgive my sins. There's nothing to do with cheap grace or nonsense. I'm not even talking all that stuff. Because cheap grace stops there. The full implication is he not only did that, but he paid for my sanctification. Ye are washed, Paul said. You are sanctified. He paid for that as well. So I don't get a license to sin because I'm justified. It just means I'm not a habitual sinner anymore. And when I miss the mark, he helps me. And as far as glorification, oh, that's already there too. Jesus said, it's finished. I'd like us to conclude maybe with a time of worship. I don't have anything else profound. I hope these three messages have helped. <sighs> and let's hear the voice of the Lord. Let's just keep on going forward and expect but let's bring people in the right way. Let them know what that cross has done for them. Let them know huh, that there's a huge plan. Because you know what I understand now? If there's crisis, I remember when your brother Joe came to visit me when I was not really strong yet. And, uh, you know, just sitting up for his visit was was nerving me up and I didn't know how I'd do. I remember when her brother Joe came to visit me and he sat across the thing and he had this great assurance that, Pastor, you're going to be fine. He really did. You know, I think he felt better about me than I did because I was struggling with fear and with anxiety. How I many of you know when you can't breathe, you get nervous? Sure. But I said, Do you know, Joe, I said, I... I'm really coming to understand, you know, that God didn't give me COVID. He's not the author of COVID. But in his foreknowledge, I want to be able to say, I find no fault in the Lord. To hurry the Lord is to find fault with him. To, to, to criticize his dealings in my heart as a sold out one is to find fault. And if there's fault in him, then the whole thing is faulty. And we're of men all most miserable because when we die, this was it. But hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because I'm beginning to experience more of his love and his nature. That's what's contagious. Religion's not contagious. But love is very contagious. Amen. Let's just worship for a moment. We'll pray. And then I'll turn it back to Pastor. Praise you, Lord.
Father, we thank you tonight for the great love you have for us. And we thank you tonight for deep revelation of what you're doing in this hour. It is not so much we look to the events of the world. We look first to the events of what you're doing in your people. And we thank you, Father for what you're doing in your people. Bless this group tonight. And let continued revelation come. Open this up to us, Lord. Let us understand from your word deeper. Thank you, Lord. I just feel it's fitting that pastor would come and kind of give his remarks and close it out and seal it up tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. We had three sessions. Three sessions that the Lord gave Pastor Dennis to reveal to us. Sessions that were so truth-filled and challenging because it, it's going to break some of our preconceived beliefs, notions, habits, what we see or how we see things to be done in the church. And it all focused back only to Jesus. Only Jesus. And that's what the Lord told us in this church in January. Jesus and you. That's the goal. And sometimes we have to understand that we may have think, or we may think that. I love what Pastor said, that it's about Jesus. But in a lot of times it's not, it's about us. So I want you to go back this week and the podcast will be up. On your way out, grab another note sheet. and Go back and re-listen. Lock yourself away. Just you and the Lord. Re-listen to the words that were taught to us. Re-listen to what the Spirit is speaking to us. Individually and as a body. And then be courageous enough to begin to apply it. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to walk it out. 
in our staff, I'm, I'm going to share something. I'm going I'm to pray, but in our staff meeting and all the staff who is with us tonight, they will tell you this. And I will say it in front of you. I've sat at the table many times and says, if people don't like certain things, it's not about what they like. It's about Jesus. Can't change what they like or don't like. All I can do and all we can do as a body of Christ is take them to Jesus. And that's what Pastor led us to this week was Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I know I was changed. Pastor, before he even shared about how the Lord asked him, when was the last time you preached about the cross? He mentioned the cross early, and on my note, bigots is the cross, exclamation mark, underscored three times. I says, one last time we talked about the cross. And I says, oh, about three years ago. And the message title was The Wonderful Cross. And then in my head, I began to say, okay, we're in week number four on Sunday about the miracles in John. I began to calculate on the calendar where we're at, where we're going to get to, so we can go to the cross. And then I turned over to Cindy. I started laughing. I says, I says I'm calculating in my head even before he said about the power. We, we, it's the cross. It's so already calculating where the Lord's taking us piggybacking off what pastors what the seeds were planted here this weekend the cross now he came all the way from Florida sunny warm Florida and he came with a word and I want to bless him and we're going to sow seed into his ministry and into what he's doing and what God has poured into him to pour out into other people. And so we're going to receive our offering tonight and know that everything goes to the pastor. We don't take anything out of it. To What we're sowing into him goes to pastor and into that ministry that gives life, that encourages, that ministers, not only when he's out, but the constant phone calls to other pastors other leaders, friends, people, just always pouring out, always pouring out, always pouring out, always pouring out. And so I want to encourage you tonight, ask the Lord right now, what, Lord, should I do? Don't worry about anybody else, what they're going to do. God, what should I do? What would you like me to do, Lord, in my giving? And so, Father... Thank you for this wonderful man of God and his amazing wife. The Lord, you've placed them within this family, within this body, roughly five years ago. But he was willing to stand alongside this ministry and pour into us and love us and teach us and correct us and do all those things that you had asked him to do. Father, thank you for the wealth of spiritual knowledge that he deposits within us. Lord, I pray a continued blessing upon his life, upon his health, 
upon the relationships that he has, upon even him and his beautiful wife. God bless them. Continue to knit them closer and closer each and every day. Father, I, I speak prosperity upon his ministry and upon everything, God, that you have called him to do. Prosperity in the spirit realm, prosperity as the anointing continues. The Lord, just bless him as he's willing to do all that you've asked him to do. And so, Father, even now, bless this offering. Bless these seeds that we will plant into his ministry. That, God, that they will flourish and they will yield a harvest in the kingdom. It's not about our personal harvest, but it's about kingdom harvest. Because, God, you will continue to take him and you will continue to give him words to speak. And you will continue to release the anointing through him and out of him. Father, bless this man of God, this woman of God that you've placed together to proclaim the gospel, the good news. And thank you for the opportunity to call him friend, to call him pastor, mentor. Lord, thank you for that. And I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Bless the offering. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 If you are writing a check, you can write it right to the church. And then we'll make sure that everything gets to him um, this evening. So thank you for um, being here. Were you blessed tonight? Were you blessed all weekend? For, I know I have tons of notes. And so um, our offering is on the way out as you leave. Uh, hey, we'll be back Sunday. And we're on our fourth miracle, uh, feeding of the 5,000. We're going to talk about how God miraculously moves and how he is a provider not only in the natural but also in our spiritual realm of who we are. So I want to encourage you to come back with an expectation that God is going to do something Sunday in your life. Amen? Amen. So God bless you. Drive safe tonight as you head home. And thanks for being here once again.